Zachary Bartles, pastor of Judson Baptist Church, and you're listening to Mimi Reads the Bible. Good morning and welcome to Mimi Reads the Bible. Today I will be reading from Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. This is the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Getting right to it, huh? I would like to have a special shout out to my brother Russ and my sister-in-law Marilyn. Hi, you guys in Florida. Warm while we are cold. I would rather be cold in Michigan than warm in Florida. Hmm. Unpopular opinion. They have a pool. (laughs) All right, I'd I'd rather be in Florida. (laughs) All right, let's hear this. All righty. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those who came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. What does that mean? Or is your eye evil? Like he, he's I'm, implying injustice on the part of the landowner. Right. And he's saying, no, the evil's in your eye. Oh, okay. I, I'm good, but, you, but you're looking upon me and seeing evil because the evil's in, in, your, in your, your eye, eye that... which is the window to your soul. Mm-hmm. What do you think is being taught here? How, how have you read this? I, I've heard it taught a number of different applications, mm-hmm. and I think several are valid. I think that I... Um, and. Oftentimes, when I read a parable, I go back to my Sunday school days as a child and and hearing parables taught and 
and what I took away from their meaning, mm-hmm. whether or not that was actually what was taught. Um, and I think that it was that we needed to accept what is given to us because as the Lord said, or the landowner said, you agreed to a denarius. So I did not go back on my word and I gave you what you agreed to. And it's like we should worry about ourselves, not everybody else. You know who is a good example of that? Um, Peter. Right? Like, like right when he's been reinstated. Yeah. Like, like he does the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. If if this had had Peter in it, he would have been the one going, excuse me, pardon me. Because Jesus says to him, when you're old, when, when you're young, you dress yourself, you went where you want to go. When you're old, others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go, which is to me like just crazy haunting <laughs> language to describe someone's crucifixion and, and execution. Uh, and he immediately, instead of saying, oh, give me the strength, Lord, or say it isn't so, or if this cup could pass from me, he just says, what about this guy? And he points at his buddy John, at which point Jesus says, hey, if I want him to live till I come back, what business is it of yours? What concern is it of yours? And uh, I think we often tend to do that, compare mm-hmm. ourselves to others. So one interpretation here is, and I think this is probably most immediately on Jesus' mm-hmm. mind when he teaches in, in the context there, the Jews and the Gentiles, that those who were following Yahweh from way, way back, Abraham, mm-hmm. uh, they are getting a reward and there's going to be resentment uh, that those who are newcomers, you know, they've been worshiping stumps and rivers and mm-hmm. goddesses of sex and death are also going to get that reward. And it's God's grace mm-hmm. and it shouldn't bother us, you know, and, and then there may be a secondary application being people who are converted at the end of their life or nearer the end of their life versus those who are, you know, they're kind of like the, you know, we may probably look at the prodigal son separately. Maybe we look at the all three of those lost things, but you know, Hey, I've been here with you the whole time. How come you're making a big deal out of this other person who came late? Now, when, how old were you when you came to faith? Well, that's a very interesting question because, um, my mother had, uh, always talked to me about a time when I was like between four and five that um, she had prayed with me. And when my mother passed away when I was 14, my assurance of salvation just went. Oh, I think you mentioned that. And I worried about it. And I actually, when I was um, in Bible college, I talked to the dean of women and I said I just you know sometimes it just haunts me at night that I'm afraid and and uh, I prayed with her and made she said there's nothing wrong with saying I want to make certain my salvation and so that at that time that was in uh, 19 <laughs> 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 when I was quite young. <laughs> so either way, <laughs> you, you came to faith early. Yes. Um, and, and there are those, I mean, I, I will often go to someone's bedside knowing this person's mm-hmm. probably not going to live long and l- knowing by all accounts, even their own, they haven't, they haven't mm-hmm. followed Jesus. 
And I have heard pastors say, you know, I don't put much stock in the deathbed conversion. And I think, but why not? I mean, granted, if the person looks like they're going to die, they say, oh, yeah, I want to have my bases covered. Mm -hmm. I believe in Jesus. And then they come back to health. Well, you can see if there's fruit or not. Right. But, I mean, people are looking, they're thinking of things eternal. They're kind of looking immediately at death. It's, It's right there. And it's a good time to talk, I think, to people. And, and I think there's a, a sinfulness that wants to say, no, no, hold on. They don't get to do that because they didn't put in the time like I did. And that's just like those day exactly. laborers. Exactly. That is, um, it, I think it is all the more reason for loved ones that we have that when they come to the end of their life, if if we are concerned about their, their uh, eternal destination, that we would make sure that they had opportunities to make a decision even at the end of their life because it is open. God doesn't say, you know, until this time, until your last breath, you can. But it is, it's very much like saying, wait a minute, why do they get to now? They must be in like a lesser heaven, right? Yes. No, everyone got a denarius, which was a a fair day's wage. Uh, and and I, I don't like it when translations move these things into like, if it was in 1978, they're like, let's convert it into dollars for today. <laughs> A, because you lose significance of numbers. B, because you lose the connection to that culture and <laughs> immersing yourself in that culture. And C, because immediately it starts to become outdated. <laughs> when you're reading the 1984 NIV and they've got stuff in, in, in dollars, it just doesn't work anymore. The, the money is changed. Inflation. Um, so why do you think it connects then to Jesus' summary statement at the end, especially hearing you say, make a decision, uh, that many are called, but few are chosen? Well, I think that uh, it would have to do with um, it is God who uh, draws us to himself. None of us can will seek after God on our own. And so as the Holy Spirit uh, draws us, then uh, we are able to make that decision. <laughs> yeah, so the will is employed, but the, the, the will has to be unshackled. Um, exactly. and, and, and God, yeah, so no one can come to me unless the Father will it and draw mm-hmm. him. And that word is, is like the word for like drag. It's the same word James uses for... Uh, enticed and dragged away by our shameful lust, like it's a fishing word. Mm-hmm. Caught in a net and pulled, God pulls us. We're often kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm. And so if that was our role, was like trying to wriggle away while he drew us to himself and hugged us and said, listen, I'm, gonna, I'm going to remove the shackles so you want to love me like you were supposed to. How could we ever say, but I've been loving you and serving you longer than so-and-so. I know. <laughs> it's, it's absurd. And, and I... I know that so much in this life, you look at the world and you think of people who seemingly everything just falls into place with them. And then there's others and everything seems to be hard, a struggle. And and yet you think, but God chose me. He loves me. And if there was no one else in this world, he still would have sent his son to die for me. And how can I um, 
complain about any struggle or any hard time because I don't have to go through it alone. He is there with me. I sometimes shake my head and say, I don't know how the world deals with loss mm -hmm. and pain when they have no hope. It's it's a sad thing to watch, actually, and, and sometimes, like, sadly amusing. The, the Bury it under piles of possessions. Uh, don't think about it with amusements. Amusements meaning, ah, not amused mm -hmm. to think. I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to binge on Netflix. Uh, you know, hedonism, empty. What was the thing I saw on... Facebook, it was like a picture of a galaxy, which immediately those pictures I love, like those mm -hmm. NASA picture of the day. But it said, like, you return to stardust and become part of the universe again when you die. Isn't that comforting? And I'm like, no. What? <laughs> that's, that's so empty. That's so sad. Uh, but we have, and, and there's this hope here, right? Even mm -hmm. when you're in the midst of trials, you go, mm -hmm. well, I mean, I'm partway through the day, depending on how old you are and what year in 19 women are you into college, you go, Hey, the day is coming, though, when I will receive that reward, yes. and it will be all of grace, and it will be for me so that I can glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's awesome. And how um, freeing it is for, for so many religions that believe that you have to work mm -hmm. for it. How do you know when you've worked enough? How do you know mm -hmm. instead of serving because of the thankful expression of that love, you can't help but serve instead of feeling like, oh, I just got to keep doing it. I got to do more because, because and, and yet you, they still never have that um, peace and contentment right. that they've done it not enough or that people who think they can lose their salvation. Yeah, yeah. I thought, oh, that was the worst. If I could lose it, I'd have lost it. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you know if it's a good day or a bad day? If I, you know, I meant to get it back, but I didn't get to, and now I'm lost. And I just found that very comforting when I found out that, you know, who God has is holding, he's holding for good. Uh, you, he, you stole he, that from Jesus. You didn't come up with that. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> now, that reminds me of, I mean, there are even Christian traditions that have teachings that, uh, you know, you, you're you guilty of a sin of presumption. If you think you know that you're saved and you got to keep on working and toiling and, and if you, you die on, you know, the wrong mm -hmm. day after committing this kind of sin, but before getting absolution, that kind of, just the randomness of that, uh, when the bus struck, I, I mean, that to me is the same um, compulsion inside someone that says, I, hey, wait a minute, I earned more than that other person. It's the same yeah. kind of, and, and and it's so sad to me that you can know the gospel to such a degree that you even, you know, you have pictures of Christ around and it's all about Jesus and you have the bread and the cup, but you're still missing that, that peace that comes mm -hmm. with just knowing my salvation is in his hands and it's his doing. Many are called, few are chosen. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be content that I'm uh, going to receive a reward I, I don't deserve. And, and I'm going to tell the world about it. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a marvelous stuff. Have, have you noticed that some of the most um, exemplary Christians in your life have 
you know, a story that, that has them coming to faith a little later? Mm-hmm. Yes. In fact, uh, I remember uh, our church used to go to the Word of Life camps um, in New York, uh, Jack Wurtson, and uh, there would be these testimonies from people and just amazing stories of, of where Christ saved them and and how they and it was like wow I you know I don't have that kind of story that change the big dramatic changes and um and then you hear from somebody who was working in a hardware store taking care of his family and God reached out and he heard the word of God, and he, um, in a in a way that he never saw it before. And then he not only was drawn to Christ, but then I'm going to serve him. And through, I mean, in the world, I threw away his business, went to Bible college long after, you know, people would have thought, and become missionaries mm-hmm. and have in the world, I've given up everything that made sense and are serving the Lord. And I I just always felt like, oh, that it, I just can't, I can't believe that. It's like, what a gift. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you can be 45 working in a hardware store and the Lord can say, today. You bring up an interesting point, though. I think in our culture, in the church today, we have a tendency to do the opposite, which is to kind of fetishize the late, great, really colorful story, oh. right? So that so that almost like you have to have had time. If you haven't had you know, a bad, full you... rumspring of life before you came to, you know, like if you weren't doing crack and, and then you, weren't, you know, yeah. insider trading or something and, and then came to faith. But this doesn't glorify them no or the early it it basically just says all are of grace and all so all are equally undeserving but as a reward that was promised for labor all are treated as equally deserving mm-hmm. and and so you know when paul talks to timothy about his grandmother eunice who raised him up from infancy teaching him the gospel you know he he knew the the truth from a young young age mm-hmm. That's not looked down upon, but Paul, who's writing it, has a really crazy, you know, midlife story Mm -hmm. about coming to faith, and all of them are good. You know, we should celebrate all of them. There's a podcast called God Stories. Mm -hmm. It's just people giving their testimony and being, like, interviewed about it, Mm -hmm. and our own David uh, Andrzejczyk is going to be on it um, coming up here. I'm really excited about that. Uh, but it, I think it's a really, he turned me on to it, listening mm-hmm. to it. It's what an encouraging thing to just hear people's stories yes. that come into faith. And some are spectacular and, and uh, wow, I can't believe you've been through mm-hmm. that. And some are, I heard the gospel and, and came to faith. They're all good. You mean like the five-year-old who turned from his life of stealing toys and, and spitting at children (laughs) (laughs) well you know i was i would say it's a very young age and i thought i had come up with this clever turn of phrase but i think it was john piper first 
I find mm-hmm. out later that had independently come up with this other thing before me uh, was I, I when I when I candidated here I told they were like well what's your your testimony and I said well I was saved from a life of uh, wanton uh, you know sex drugs violence uh, and and self destruction I was uh, I think I was four and a half pause for chuckle. There was no chuckle, which made me think, I don't know if these are my people, but they are. It just took a while for us to get used to each other. But the idea is you're saved from it anyway. You're saved yes, from you it by, by being spared this suffering. You know, And, and so, there, yeah, there are those then who, like, I can't minister to somebody who's been at bottom as an addict for years the way that someone who was saved out of that can. Mm-hmm. So maybe part of why God does it this way is... So that people are differently gifted to to reach out to different groups of people. Oh, that's really good. To I mean to think, and I I like when you say you are spared from those things because even though you are saved from them, there are still consequences of right. that life. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, those who have been privileged enough to be spared from that, and yet. Those who have been down at the bottom, who have been, again, they're just they're just as saved. Yeah, and, and I'm sure there's All a complicated thing inside uh, mm-hmm. someone who's been through that, where they're like, I would gladly have not been through that Ex- and not have as yes. good of a testimony, but at the same time thinking, but it made me who I am, and there was a reason God let this happen. Mm-hmm. Always blows my mind when people are caught exaggerating their testimony. <laughs> Do you remember that guy in the 80s who said he was a devil worshiper? He wrote all these books, The Satan Seller, and all these things. He was a comedian, too, which is a weird combination. Um, and it came out, uh, no, he wasn't a high priest of Satan. He was just like a dork in, like, Indiana. And there were pictures of him when he was supposedly had long hair and, like, six-inch long nails and stuff. And he was just, you know, clean-cut, you know, wire-rim glasses. And But he must have felt that you have to have a big story, but he was a fake, obviously. He felt that he needed that to have the money coming in, I think. Oh, well. <laughs> but, but the interesting <laughs> thing, he's that. still doing ministry and apparently is under was under discipline and, and I don't know, it's a, it's a whole thing. I, I just wish we didn't have a culture where people felt the need to overblow mm-hmm. or change what God has done in their lives because, as we read here, he's, he's in control. He yes. goes and he gets, there's something of an honor of being one of the first called to come and work and to have put in the whole day's labor. And there's just such a great experience of grace in having mm-hmm. been called late. Uh, and it's all amazing. I think about Charles Spurgeon, right? Mm-hmm. Raised in the church, but came to faith as a latish teen and almost immediately began preaching. So he has both the kind of uh, mid-morning conversion, almost noon, but then uh, because he died young, but then God immediately employs him in the mm-hmm. preaching, and he and and before long he's preaching to thousands and thousands. Right, and, and you know then you think about uh, the guy who went out and he ran a shoe store, Kimball, and he went out and he saved. Uh, he didn't say. Well, Paul says that I might save some. Mm-hmm. All things, all people. He went out and he, and, he, and he shared the gospel with all the kids in the Sunday school class. And you follow this through and get to Billy Graham. Yeah. And, and go, well, Billy Graham was a young man. I bet he never was thinking, man, if only I had, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> only I'd been a It would have been a really good story <laughs> if I could have been not saved until I was a crackhead. <laughs> 
And part of and, and, and it is a good story when someone is, is and, saved right. out, of, out of a life of even when they struggle more. But but part of that too is I think there's not a temptation to make it about me. If right. you don't have a quote-unquote great testimony. Mm-hmm. Billy Graham never was like, all right, let me tell you about the day I was saved because it was, he just said, let me tell you what Jesus did. He did, yes. And, and uh, you know, sometimes Paul does say, let me tell you what, about the day I was saved. A couple times. Peter never does that. He never mm-hmm. talks about his experience, and he had a better experience than Paul walking with Jesus. It's, it's all, there's pros and cons to all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, each of us has a story of of coming to Christ, being drawn to him. And whether it was when we were young and and spared some of the the harder things in life or after we were adults and we realized uh, uh, that we wanted our faith to be our own, not our parents' faith. Or perhaps a little later, and you realized it is not anything of us. It wasn't that, oh, you were so good that God saved you young. Or, eh, he was a little worried about you, so that's why you were saved later. It's all about God's grace. And and as you say... Spurgeon immediately started preaching. Well, the Lord knew the end of his story and that he wasn't going to live to an old age and how important it was to use him. Mm-hmm. And so it all has to do with that that weaving of your story. And you just have to be faithful whenever that time is to be doing what God would lead you to do through the rest of your days. And if you're someone who has not come to faith, sometimes people feel like, well, it's too late. You know, mm-hmm. God wouldn't take me now. He absolutely will. Yes, to the 11th hour. Yeah, I wonder if that's where the phrase, like, an 11th hour... Well, that's what I was wondering, too. I bet it is. I bet it comes... A lot of that stuff comes from the Bible, mm-hmm. and we don't realize it. I bet it does. Yeah, Mm-mm. 11th hour change of plans or whatever. Mm-hmm. The 11th hour, I was thinking for um, an execution. Oh, yeah, stay of execution. And the stay came at the 11th hour. And perfect, perfect isn't connection. that the... <laughs> yes. Here's, that's the bow. <laughs> the, bow the bow has been tied. And now uh, we will see you next week when Mimi will read... The Bible. <laughs> <laughs>